another episode of the MSU Sports Zone podcast. Today I have Cameron Mott, owner of At the Michigan Wave, with over sixty thousand followers, and a good friend of mine joining me. What's going on, Cameron? Hey Spencer, it's good to talk to you again. Uh, it's the Michigan page now. Sorry guys, I changed it from Wave to Page a couple of months ago, just so you know. So I'm at the Michigan page on Twitter and Instagram. Good to be here. Let's talk some Michigan, Michigan State. Got the game tomorrow. Battle for Paul Bunyan Trophy. Big game, rivalry game. Super excited. Let's go. Yep. And before we get into the game, I, I guess we could start with last week's matchups. Um, Couldn't be more opposite from a uh, worst start for Michigan State and a strong start for Michigan. So since you are a Michigan fan, we'll start with Michigan. So what, um, what, what did you see that you loved from the team last week besides the blowout victory, obviously? Yeah, man, I, I saw a lot of things I liked. I was very skeptical, nervous, uh, brand new O-line, minus one returning starter, uh, new quarterback, and a lot of youth and wide receiver, a lot of inexperience at corner. So a lot of reason to be skeptical and nervous. Uh, you know, Michigan usually is very nervous in week one, especially away. I know we didn't have a crowd, but um, bottom line was I was super, super thrilled with what I saw. Joe Milton play with, played with poise. The O-line was fantastic. Shout out Coach Ed Warner. Uh, I loved the play calling the whole entire game by our offensive coordinator, Josh Gaddis. And this team just seems to want to play for each other. They, they seem to, to play very together. And it was a great sign. I really enjoyed the game. So I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and your point with the O-line, I, I don't – I mean, didn't you guys – I want to say – I don't want to be wrong, but I think I read you guys lost four of the five starters besides um, Jalen Mayfield. Yep. Yeah, and I was surprised because, I mean, that's as good of as Michigan's been on the offensive line in years – especially opening up the holes for your running backs. Um, I think I read that you had, what, was it five running backs had a carry or something like that? Hey, I predicted before the game that all three, Zach Charbonnet, Hassan Haskins, and Chris Evans would have a rushing touchdown, mm-hmm. or sorry, any touchdown, and whether it's rushing or receiving, and they all had a touchdown each. So I called that right. Um Plus, we have true freshman Blake Corum. We we have a lot of running backs. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest difference Um, to go into Michigan State is, you know, the O-line and run game. That's – I mean, I wrote down even, you know, Michigan State can't run the ball tomorrow like last week, and the O-line can't open up the holes. I mean, this game's going to be over in 10 minutes, and I mean that. Like, um, right. So, what what's your take on Michigan State last week and everything? I know you're not a fan, but – to be honest, Spencer, I wasn't able to watch much of that game at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I'm curious to see how much energy and confidence your team comes out with tomorrow under Mel Tucker. Like, you can see a big change in confidence and energy with a new, fresh coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Now, what really dampers this is the loss to Rutgers last week, who is the bottom feeder of the Big Ten. Like, a lot of people argue, and a lot of UMS. MSU fans would argue and say all the time that, oh, Rutgers doesn't deserve to be in this conference. Uh, and then you end up losing to them in football in Mel Tucker's first ever game as head coach at in Michigan State. So, uh, you know what, last year, though, too, under Mark D'Antonio, you guys played a good first quarter. You scored first. But 
the other three quarters was was purely mich pure Michigan, as I say. So, um, I'm just curious to see how it plays out tomorrow. Yeah, and your point about t- first game against Rutgers with Tucker, um, and not a great start for his tenure here. Um, you hear a lot of not you, but some Michigan fans, some D'Antonio loyalists, already saying, you know, like I told you earlier. This, this could be a Rich Rod tenure if, if people don't back him. Um, you brought up D'Antonio. I don't think people realize, and I love D'Antonio, but the way he left the program just really pissed a lot of people off. I mean, like you mentioned, getting the doors blown off by Michigan your last year and then just leaving it like this. You know, I, I know people are going to be critical of Tucker after that game, but there's not much he really can do at all this year, to be honest, especially in adding COVID. You know, that didn't help whatsoever. Oh, you're, you're absolutely right about that. And I, I said all offseason, I was very skeptical about MSU this season because they lacked the practice time, the time to learn the playbook, the time to gel and build chemistry within the team and everyone involved. And that's exactly what we saw week one against Rutgers. Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, and to go into the next topic, the QB battle tomorrow, Joe Milton and Rocky Lombardi. So, what? Give me your take on the quarterback battle tomorrow, and who has the upper head, upper edge in your mind? Upper edge, definitely Joe Milton. He's just a far more talented player and athlete. Um, he's been involved in the program for two or three years now, sitting on the bench and waiting for this moment. He put a lot of work into the off season and and was clearly prepared and has gotten a lot better. Um, Rocky Lombardi had some decent stats last week. I think he threw for like 315 yards, right? Yeah, I think so. That was, uh, that was an eye-opener for sure, considering MSU had, what, four turnovers? More than that? Yeah, we had seven turnovers. <laughs> seven. Seven turnovers. So um, I'm curious to see how Rocky plays tomorrow. The, the, the problem is he's going to have constant pressure, Wolverines in his face, all game especially on that spartan o-line <laughs> they are going to get eaten alive spencer and to your i was just going to bring that up too with the d-line because i heard your prediction about all those guys having the touchdown on that one podcast the running backs and you also predicted michigan would have the best i think you said defensive end combo so that's right for without being biased and being i guess you can call it a realist tell the michigan state fans that don't know how good michigan's d-line is um, if the O-line plays like they did last week, how, how much trouble are they going to be in, in this game, Cameron? It's going to end fast. The game will end fast. I, I said on the Blue by 90 podcast, this is my personal opinion, Quiddy Pay and Aiden Hutchinson are the best defensive end combo, not only in the Big Ten Conference, guys, in all of America. And after one game, that seems accurate. But we also have fifth-year defensive tackle Carlo Kemp. We have defensive tackle Chris Hinton. We have Mazzie Smith. We have Donovan Jeter, Taylor Upshaw, Julius Welshaw, Luigi Villain. It goes on, guys. We have a lot of depth. And MSU has a couple is a couple years away from being able to build consistent depth. It really takes a long time. You can't do it overnight. Rome wasn't built in a day. And like you yeah. said, Mark D'Antonio left the program in shambles. It, it is really insane to me how elite of a coach this man once was. They made the college football playoff in 2015. Yes, they didn't even score a field goal. 
They got shut out by Alabama, but they still were able to make the college football playoff. They beat Ohio State that year. And a lot has changed since that moment. And especially the exact time when D'Antonio left or Mm -hmm. stepped down, per se, I thought, wow, he stepped down at this time. Like, there must be a scandal coming. Like, why, why else would you step down right now? It was just very, very odd timing. Had everyone surprised. Also, yeah. too, like I'm, I'm questioning the quality of coach in Mel Tucker. Mm-hmm. I know it's very early. I, I can't, I, w- I can't judge too much. Like I need to give Mel Tucker at least three to four years, just like you guys did with Jim Harbaugh. But um, Mel Tucker was at Colorado for one year, and they went what five and seven. Mm-hmm. And then, then he, he publicly tweets that he's not going anywhere. He's sticking with Colorado. He's happy where he is, and then totally mm-hmm. goes against his public word. And I, I can understand, like, it, MSU is a way bigger job. You're, um, you're progressing your career, for sure. I understand that. But I'm just questioning how good of a coach Mel Tucker is. But I do think, and uh, this is my personal opinion, it might, be a, it might be rare. I'm not sure how many people would agree with this. But I think due to Mel Tucker being a black head coach, he yeah. will be able to connect with a lot of different recruits that normally would not be interested in being recruited by a white head coach who couldn't relate to them as well as let's say Mel Tucker. I truly think that Mel Tucker will be able to land some recruits that will have people shocked. Like, wow, how did, how did he land this recruit? How, why did he choose MSU? Mm-hmm. I think he will be able to relate to a lot of these guys better than some other coaches. He just has to be able to prove that he can win some big games And I think for recruiting in 2020, it comes down to two major things. Do you win big games and can you promise early playing time or can you just reassure playing time in general? The players need to trust the coach and know that what you're telling them is absolutely the truth. Exactly. And the other thing I would add to that would be probably you know, putting guys to the next level in the NFL. That's very true. But other than that, you nailed that on the head. And to go over, you know, to adjust everything you just said about Mel Tucker, you know, and I understand you and others saying they're not sold on him yet as a head coach. And obviously, if any Michigan State fan said they are, they're they're just lying to you. But what I would say is, like you mentioned, three to four years. I, I really – you can't even – to me, you can't really judge him until – at least the end of um, the first two seasons. Once year three starts, or even year four for that matter, then I you could say, all right, he's on the clock. What have you done for me lately? But just the way D'Antonio left, I mean, the guy really was set up to fail. Put it like that, this this year at least. So, but, and to the first point, you, you were talking all about, you know, the depth on the defensive line and everything of that nature. I would say, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, the only position I can really look at and say, all right, Michigan State maybe is better than um, Michigan at the moment is wide receiver. And to that, you would say what? You think that MSU has better wide receivers? Is that what you're saying? I mean, I would say that's the only strong argument for any position you probably can make that yeah. MSU has the upper edge in. You have a point. I, I would just say to that, um, you know, MSU definitely has far more experience at that position. Yeah, but as sure. far as speed and athleticism and talent goes, I do think the Wolverines take the cake. But mm-hmm. in terms of experience, I'd give the edge to MSU. Um, 
we just need to give it about half a season for these young wide receivers on Michigan to get some experience under their belt. Mm-hmm. But and I, I was concerned about this position group heading into the season, but after the first week, the first game against Minnesota, I, I really liked what I saw and I think these players are really are really rallying in Joel Milton's presence. I I did not see that with Shea Patterson. And I said this on my page, guys. I truly think, like, I, I respect Shea Patterson. I appreciate everything he did for us. But I really wish Jim Harbaugh didn't go for Shea Patterson. I feel like we would have been better off if we just stuck with the guys we already had in Joe Milton and Dylan McCaffrey and coached them up, developed them, and given them early experience. Because think about what we could have had by now. And mm-hmm. we probably would not have lost both of them. Now, there's always that saying, if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. I always like choosing one quarterback and rolling with them and then having a nice option at quarterback two if need be. Because you can always have injuries, knock on wood. You never yep. know. And now, due to how the cards settled, we lost Dylan McCaffrey, who's a super talented player comes from a super athletic and talented family, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I'm really upset we lost him. But I, I always was team Joe Milton. It was close. I love both of them. But mm-hmm. I think if we didn't go for Shea and have him start for two seasons, we could have kept Dylan as well. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you 100%. Um, you know, coming from an outside point of view, I remember when Shea came in as you probably more than anyone. Just the hype around it. Um, I'm not comparing it so fans are going to grill me on this, but it almost felt, in a sense, like when LeBron came back to Cleveland. That's how hype your fan base was when uh, Shea Patterson was coming. Um, I remember, yep. We saw his game (laughs) film at Ole Miss, and and he reminded me a lot of Johnny Manziel, but we had a completely different offense in Ole Miss. And I feel like Shea had a better year his first year in Ann Arbor in 2018 rather than his last year in 2019 i i just like the offense and play calling better that mm-hmm. that suited shea um but a quarterback like joe milton is more fit for for the current offensive coordinator and josh gaddis mm-hmm. yeah but and i also i was gonna add like you know it, it is a downfall like you said you'd rather see your guys come in and play rather than get a transfer but also then you fall in a situation kind of how michigan state is right now where I know Rocky didn't play awfully that bad the first week, but I mean, just coming from a really big Michigan State fan and reading everything, you you didn't hear anything about the backup quarterback battle, as I'm sure you didn't, being not a Michigan State fan. And that makes me wonder, you know, maybe a transfer would have worked out better for Michigan State. Um, I know you've seen that road happen for Michigan, but... Well, absolutely. And MSU was trying to pursue KJ Costello, who ended up uh, oh. went to Stanford and ended up at Mississippi State, correct? Oh, yes, he's at Mississippi State. Yeah, so um, this was the first season where we were starting a quarterback that Jim Harbaugh actually recruited. Mm-hmm. Pretty crazy. that This is sixth season now, and it took that long. Mm-hmm. Like, I was tired of the transfers at a certain point, but I do remember all the hype with Shea. I, don't, don't get that twisted. I absolutely remember all the hype around Shea Patterson coming, but you know what, guys? There's always going to be so much hype with the Michigan fan base. That's what comes with a big brand. That's mm-hmm. what comes with this type of fan base. You just got to get used to it because it's not going anywhere, especially in the age of the internet and social media. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so next I wanted to get um, – what was that? Oh, no, that's what it was. Um, 
right, we could do record predictions, and then we'll get a little more into the game in particular. But I wanted to hear your record prediction for both teams this season. So at first, I said six and two, five and three for my Wolverines. Now, just after purely the first game, guys, I don't know how they're going to perform tomorrow against Michigan State, but just from their first performance, I'm thinking seven and one looks likely with a loss to Ohio State. Uh, I'm I'm hoping to God that it's not an ugly blowout. I think with Joe Milton, this team and the chemistry and the play calling, it will be a very close game. I'm hoping so. Well, I'm obviously hoping for the win over them because it's been since 2011. But uh, as for MSU, guys, th- there's a case that they could go winless. Do I think they will? No, I don't. I think they definitely could beat Maryland. Maryland looked terrible against Northwestern week one. That really surprised me. They only managed to score three points. But <laughs> don't, like, don't, don't worry. Maryland will get better week by week. But so will MSU. I think um, I, I'm thinking two and six for MSU. It's exactly what I have Michigan State. I had three and five before the year, not knowing what we're going to expect. But two and six was my worst case scenario. And that's what I'm sticking with right now. I think two and six, like you said, Maryland. And then who knows? You know, for all I know, I wouldn't look that great. So that's who we play next week. Um, not saying exactly, we're but there's teams like that, you know, that we could be. And for Michigan, um, I, I just feel like it's seven and one. I think six and two would be the worst. Maybe lose to Penn State, but they, they don't look that good at all. And now do they even have a running back on the roster? I saw Noah Kane's out for the year. Journey Brown. Brown. Yep. He had a heart uh, heart surgery or whatever. And the five star, I forgot his name, he transferred Old Dominion in the offseason. So they could start 0 2 as of earliest tomorrow playing Ohio State. So that would be mine. Uh, seven and one Michigan, two and six for Michigan State. Kind of the same as you had. Someone brought up a point where if Penn State really loses a second game of the year, and then it's I, I know it's the juggernaut Ohio State, but really start zero and two, you could start to see a lot of their players opt out of the season because they realize they aren't going to be winning anything worth noting. They're not going to be going to Indy. You know, there's no chance to make the college football playoff. So that's something to look out for, guys. Yeah, I I thought for a second you were going to bring up like. Franklin could get fired or something, but yeah, no, I totally agree. (laughs) I totally agree with you there. And you got to remember too, they have a top five pick that already opted out and linebacker, Michael Parsons. So their roster is getting thinner by the day, as you just mentioned. Yeah. That that dude arguably is best linebacker in the conference. Yeah. Maybe the country. He's probably gonna be a top five pick. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So next subject is, we talked about it a little, but I want to talk more about this because this is going to decide the game tomorrow, the offensive line play. Um, I don't think there's a team – I don't think these teams match up worse in that case with Michigan's O-line being arguably the first or second best in the Big Ten and Michigan State's being one of the first or second worst. So do you think the offensive line play is going to decide the game tomorrow or do you think there's another key factor that I'm missing? Yeah, that's usually a, a huge factor in deciding games is, is who wins the line of scrimmage. Also, mm-hmm. who wins time of possession. Mm-hmm. If MSU hogs the ball all game, I don't have confidence that they're going to consistently be able to score, put points up yep. on the board. Um, I just I, – I, I see Michigan's defense shutting that down real quick. Um, I don't think the Spartans have a strong enough defense 
to hold this team back enough to to be able to get the upset win. But it's a rivalry game. You never know. You know, I'm definitely a little bit nervous heading into it. Don't get me wrong. I always will be. But, like, there's just such a difference in rosters at this current point. Yeah, and that's one thing that surprised me last week is Michigan State's defense didn't play awfully that bad. Um, I know the scoreboard shows 38, but like I mentioned to you earlier, seven turnovers will do that to you. So it wasn't on the defense last week. It was mostly the seven turnovers and, you know, like like I said, the offensive line. But like you mentioned, you know, this game's always going to be, you know, ner- I'm sure you were nervous the three and nine year. It's all. It's always going to be a competitive game outside of last year. That was brutal. Um, but hey, but, even last year, the first quarter, you guys had me a little bit nervous. I said, "Here we go again." Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then Michigan was able to turn the corner, and they they've now got that mental edge in this rivalry game. I I remember even in the Harbaugh year, uh, Harbaugh era, for some of the the first couple years, we didn't match the intensity, we didn't match the hate, we didn't match the passion. And we've mm-hmm. finally done that and prioritized this game. We call it now the state championship. And I think that's freaking brilliant by, uh, yeah. I, I think it's Harbaugh and staff that decided to start that saying. Mm-hmm. I think it's very, very uh, creative. It makes sense as well. And it's the same thing when it comes to the game against Ohio State. We have not, and still to this day, mm-hmm. not been able to match the hate, intensity, passion, preparation, etc. So until we do that, we don't stand a chance, especially when against Ohio State, they have these super teams, these five stars, four stars all over the place. Uh, they, they just reload. There's no rebuild years for them. They, they hardly take any three stars at this point. So how do you beat a team like that? You have to outcoach them. You have to outprepare them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was my next point. Um, I was going to mention to you, like you mentioned, our defense. I think that's the only only um, argument for Michigan right now is the defense wasn't, you know, maybe the sharpest last week. So if Michigan State has any shot at winning, they're going to have to score points. Like you said, um, they're going to give up some. They're going to have to score a lot. So my point to you is if MSU wants to pull off the enormous upset, they will need to do what? What's the biggest thing in your mind that, if they end up somehow pulling off the upset, it will be because of this reason. They need to control the line of scrimmage, and their offensive line needs to play better than Michigan's offensive line. They need to have constant D-line pressure on Michigan to stand a chance. They need to – multiple things, Spencer, not just one thing. They need to have solid quarterback play out of Rocky Lombardi, and you, you truly have to limit turnovers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and my that three – key. Yeah, my three things, obviously, like you mentioned, number one would be the offensive line. They, if they don't generate a push and you can't run the ball, it, the game's over in the first second of the game because then you put it in kind of all like the Patriots do with teams. They'll just double-team your best weapon, which is Jaden Reed, um, and then they'll just blitz the shit out of Rocky. So if that becomes apparent in the first quarter and the O-line can't block, that's the game's over. And then my other two points would be you got to be able to run the ball more than you did last week, which – who knows? I mean, Minnesota's running back, um, he did have success on you. I think he had rushed for 140 or something. It didn't matter. But um, And the last thing I would say, like I mentioned, was you're going to have to throw the ball downfield and score points. If they do those three things, not saying they're going to win, but they have a chance of be- keeping the game competitive. I'll put it at that. 
Also, like, what do you guys do in not playing Julian Barnett? It's beyond me, man. I have absolutely no idea. I, I, I think he's a top five player on this roster. He might transfer real soon. You know what, man? Do you think? I, I really don't know. And, you know, I was talking this girl that actually, you know, knew him. I was like, what's up? And just seems like nobody really knows to keep it, keep it that simple. You know, I didn't think he was awfully that bad at wide receiver last year. I think D'Antonio didn't even use him. But when he did, you saw, you saw signs of explosiveness. And then, you know, coming out of Bellevue, he was a cornerback. So now he's at that position. And you look at the roster last week, they have him starting on special teams. And it's like, that's the kind of move where, I'm not saying Mel Tucker would ever lose the locker room, but that's the type of move where you'll see a lot of fans and reporters really scratching your head on on that move. I totally agree. Even the players on the team, some of them as well. But that wasn't even the worst, Cameron. Um, As I'm sure you probably saw, Connor Hayward got the starting job at running back. That's what I was going to just ask right after this. Is Elijah Collins working through an injury? He was actually third string. So the second string what? The second string was true freshman Jordan Simmons. And the, I mean, I'm, as I'm sure you probably would imagine, the Michigan State fan base was rattled off on Twitter when they saw Hayward out there. Um, yeah. For Michigan fans listening and for Michigan State fans, to keep it this simple, Connor Hayward transferred last season. Elijah Collins beat him out for the starting job. To put it pretty much this simple, he transferred basically because he wasn't good enough to start. And then in the offseason, I don't know if you remember, but it was late, maybe a month or two before the season. He came back to Michigan State. I know he That's made so rare and weird. No, but this is the worst part is he made the statement like, oh, you know, it's Coach Tucker. I want to play physical, you know, basically saying he want to come back as a Coach Tucker. But in reality, in my opinion, I don't think he had any suitors out there for him. Connor Hayward I'm talking about. I think that's the only reason he came back is nobody else really wanted him. They saw the tape from last year. It wasn't good. And Tucker's explanation in the press conference was, you know, he's been playing the best in practice. And, I mean, to a point, you know, you don't know how hard Elijah's trying in practice. Um, you know, I don't know position to compare it to on Michigan, but – Adrian or Adrian, Adrian, what is it? Aiden Hutchinson, is that his name? Yep. It'd be like him, you know, Harbaugh saying, "Oh, he's not trying as hard in practice when he knows he's going to start." That's what I'm. I'm thinking that's the only thing that could have caused that to happen, Cameron. <laughs> right. But yeah. So the last thing I wanted, to, obviously, like I mentioned, score predictions. So you can go first since you're the guest. So my first prediction, my go-to. I'm thinking Michigan 63, MSU 17, but I'm also wondering, like, damn, is Michigan really going to score that many points? The most we've seen in a long, long time is 44 last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that we score more than 44 this year. I think we're more than capable of that, but I'm just going to roll with my prediction. What do you think, Spencer? Earlier in the week, like I told you, um, I told other people I had Michigan 49 to 10, but, you know, thinking it over and while well, I'm not predicting, obviously not predicting Michigan state to win this game being off last week's performances. I don't expect Michigan state as I'm sure you don't to turn it over seven times. So after I cooled off after last week's game, I like thought about it. 
And while this isn't, you know, the result probably fans listening to this want to hear, I have Michigan Michigan winning as well, 49 to 21. So that that is my prediction. Um, I mean, both of us have basically the same outcome, which is a Michigan blowout. So, I mean, any any last thoughts on that the game tomorrow? I just wonder how this game could have been different with a packed stadium. Um, but you know, it, it's really irrelevant to mention that at this point in 2020, it's been a wild year, a super unprecedented year, nothing we've ever seen before. We're in the middle of a pandemic and it's second wave. So that's really the only thing that crosses my mind, like especially Michigan at Minnesota with college game day there at night, that atmosphere would have been wild. And I think we totally took advantage of having zero atmosphere. And the thing is you forget about that until the game really starts and you look, you're like, Oh shit. Like, I know I'm not, you know, trying to make jokes out of coronavirus, but you know, you look out, you're like, damn, there's really no fans. And like you mentioned, that does make a big difference. And the worst I'm thinking is uh, Ohio state at Penn state tomorrow. That's a huge win for Ohio exactly. State. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Yep. So, and the last That's, thing I, or yep. you can go to bed. I just think it's very possible that Ohio state blows them out due to it's and not oh. being a whiteout hostile environment. Oh, I agree a hundred percent. Um, and the last thing I was going to point out too was, you know, um, Oh my god, I just lost my train of thought so bad. I don't know. That happens to me all the time. Oh, that's what it was. Um this game hasn't been competitive in a while and you know, I'm hoping, wondering soon one way or the other. You know, the last competitive game we got was twenty seventeen, the fourteen to ten contest, but hopefully in the future we get maybe tomorrow a very competitive game either way. Yeah, I remember the the first couple of years when Michigan was still really struggling to get over that hump against MSU. Uh, they, they, they just failed to establish a solid, consistent run game. That is what killed us in 2016 against Iowa. That is what killed us in 2016 at Ohio State. But now that doesn't seem to be a problem, mm-hmm. luckily. So that is uh, definitely a major factor. Yeah, absolutely. And like, like I mentioned, too, the O-line definitely playing lights out. It's helping you guys tremendously. Um but like I told you earlier, you can you're you can you're more than welcome to share where the fans can follow you and everything right now if you want. So my name's Cameron Mott. Last name is M A C H T. It's German for all you guys that don't know. It's super hard to pronounce, but just just know it's pronounced Mott, like M O T T. I know it's super hard for most people. That's completely fine. I understand. But um, I'm also on Instagram and Twitter at the Michigan page on both social medias. Um, I also have a graphic design page. That's my field. It's at designcam underscore on Instagram. Check that out. Let me know what artwork you like and give me some feedback. I'd love the support out of either fan base. Appreciate you guys. And I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Go Blue. Absolutely. And thank you for joining me, Cam. We'll talk later.